Hey, this is Pastor John Newald at Redeemer Church in Fridley. Welcome to our podcast. My prayer for you is that this message helps deepen your relationship with God and leaves you feeling encouraged. For more information about who we are, message notes, and discussion questions, visit us at RedeemerMN.org. As Jason said, we're going to start this three-week sermon series entitled The Old Testament to Ever True. And you know what? From the beginning to end, those 39 books of the Old Testament lay a foundation of teaching for each and every one of us. And we find out that there is so much understanding that's there for us. And so often we just skim the top. And that being said, I'm going to do a little bit of skimming because we're going to go through Genesis 37 to 50. And I know you don't want to be here all week. So we're just going to skim the little bit of the top. But I know there are some truths that the Lord has laid on my heart. And so as we think about that, even in Romans 15.4, it tells us, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we, we might have hope. So as I said, every week we're going to look for these next three weeks, we're going to look at someone different. But today, I thought I'd start us off with a joke. I know you guys have been having fun with the 4th of July celebrations and all that, so I know that you're open to a little joke, right? Well, a police officer stopped a motorist who was speeding down East River Road. But officer, the young man pleaded, I can explain. Just be quiet, the officer said. I'm going to let you cool off in jail until the chief gets back. But officer, I just want to say, I said, be quiet. You're going to jail. A few hours later, the officer looked in on the prisoner and said, Lucky for you, the chief's at his daughter's wedding this afternoon. He's going to be in such a great mood when he gets back. Don't count on it, answered the young man in the cell. I'm the groom. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes life just doesn't go the way we thought it would, does it? And today we're going to look at this young man who had numerous life experiences that didn't always go the way that he thought they were going to. But in the end, he could boldly say that God was there in the midst of all of his life experiences. And if you haven't figured out now, this man is Joseph. In Genesis 37, we encounter 17-year-old Joseph as he's tending sheep with his brothers. He's the 11th child of 12, and he's also the favored son of Jacob. And he's been given this ornate robe to wear by Jacob, which probably signified Jacob's favored love for him, but that Joseph also had the rights that came with being the firstborn in that culture. Not only did he wear the robe, but he also shared some dreams with his brothers. And in those dreams, it was signified that his brothers would one day bow down to him. And the text doesn't indicate that it was wrong for Joseph to share his dreams, but the text does tell us that he paid. He paid dearly for speaking up about those dreams. His brothers hated him. They hated him to the core of their beings. And as the story unfolds, Jacob asked Joseph to go and check on his brothers. And as they see him approaching, the brothers end up devising a plan. Now, the elder brother, Reuben, you know, the oldest always wants to make sure things are done right, convinced the brothers not to kill Joseph, but that he should be thrown into this cistern. Now, those cisterns in those days were probably 15 to 20 feet deep. 
But Reuben had the intention of coming back and getting Joseph out of that predicament at a later time and then bring him back to Jacob. Genesis 37 tells us, So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they did throw him into that cistern. What do you think went through Joseph's mind as he's in that cistern, at the bottom of that pit? He can hear his brothers off to the side, sitting down and enjoying a meal as he is in this pit. Yeah, they truly hated Joseph. And as they're eating, they see a caravan of Ishmaelites come along who are on their way to Egypt to sell their spices, and the plan deepens. They make the decision to sell Joseph as a slave. And when Reuben returns, Joseph is gone. And now they take Joseph's robe, and they dip it in blood. And they take the robe back to their father and say that they only found the robe. After that, Jacob confirms that, yes, it is Joseph's robe. And he is unable to be consoled. And the family enters into the pit of grief as Joseph is now gone from them. But unknownst to them, Joseph has been sold to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials. And later in Joseph's life, he is unjustly accused by Potiphar's wife of wrongdoing, which results in him being thrown into a prison. Initially, what thoughts do you think came into Joseph's mind when he was in that pit? or that prison experience? Do you think he said, God, where are you? Will I ever see my family again? Why isn't my father sending someone to look for me? How in the world, Lord, did I get into this prison? I was doing everything right. I've been falsely accused. Lord, what is going on here? Lord, actually, where are you? God's presence in everyday life does not exempt us from experiencing trials. We can be doing everything right in life, and we still are going to experience trials. Unknowingly, we can believe that because we know the Lord that we're exempt from having to deal with any of those pits or prisons. But friends, the truth is that in the midst of these pits and prisons, we have a God who is working behind the scenes and taking us through every one of those circumstances we encounter. And when we enter a pit, I believe our minds can be a very dangerous place and one in which the enemy always loves to attack and look for ways to kill, rob, and destroy us from being in the presence of the day that we're in. When I've been in a pit in a nanosecond, I can think negative thoughts about myself question God's presence and the promises that are in his word. But thankfully, since my trust is in Christ, the Holy Spirit does dwell within me and he reminds me, he brings back those truths to my mind, that greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And his grace and his faithfulness are just as permanent in the pits and the prisons as they are when we're not in a pit or a prison. So what pit or prison are you currently experiencing in your life? Is it the pit or prison of rejection? What about alcoholism? Maybe for you it's depression. Maybe for you it's grief. Or is it unbridled anger? Is it indecision? Is it an unexpected unexpected health diagnosis? Or is it pornography? or your finances, 
extended family concerns, parenting issues, relationship issues. You know, the list really is endless of pits and prisons. Will you ask the Lord to give you his perspective, his perspective on where you currently are? Will you release, release yourself to him, trusting that he is faithful and that his grace is sufficient for where you're at? You know, God does not cause our pits and prisons that we encounter. And whether we got there by our own choices or our own circumstances, it does not matter. But what does matter is that he most certainly can and does work in the midst of them for his greater good. In Romans 5, Paul tells us, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God calls us to walk in faithfulness and trust. Yes, even when we are in the pits and the prisons of life. Recently, I ran across a story about a class that had been given the task of drawing a picture of illustrating their Christian life, their experience of walking with Christ. One of the students did an amazing job on her picture, lots of light and bright colors with images that showed the joy of her salvation and the hope that was shown in her heart and the glory of eternal life. The instructor was very impressed, but also had to ask the student a difficult question. There's no darkness at all in your picture. So where are the hard times? Have there been no struggles in your Christian experience? The student had had struggles, pit and prison experiences, but the student shared that it had never occurred to her to put those things in her picture. It was as if she had tried to forget them. Yet upon reflection from the instructor's question on her life, she realized this, that she had learned as much through the hard times as she had in the easy times. Actually, she confessed she had learned more. And this is what Paul knew from experience as he penned his words to the Roman house churches, hoping to impart spiritual truth, and also in his letter to the church in Colossae. And whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This man, Joseph, even in his prison experiences, always lived life in the name of the Lord. And in Genesis 39, we read, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted everything to his care that he owned. But as Joseph serves Potiphar, he is falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, and he ends up in a prison. But again, we read in Genesis 39, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. It is here, in this prison, that someone remembers Joseph's ability 
to interpret dreams, and he's brought forward to Pharaoh. Isn't it interesting that Joseph's dreams this time got him out of prison and placed him at the age of 30 as the highest-ranking official in the land next to Pharaoh? How we respond in our prison experiences really does speak to those individuals that are around us. And as Joseph continued to work under the Lord, more and more was entrusted to him, and as much was given to him, much was required of him. Yes, the Lord knew Joseph's heart was for the Lord. And as the story continues, there's a famine in the land, and Egypt is the only place where they could find food. Jacob and his family hear about that food is available, and the sons are sent there twice to purchase grain. But guess what? The brothers do not recognize Joseph. But finally, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers and forgives them all their past actions against him. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Friends, forgiveness. Forgiveness is always a part of God's plan. Joseph made a conscious decision to forgive his brothers. This was now 22 years after his brothers had sold him into slavery that they had come to Egypt to buy grain. He could have used his position to take revenge on them, but instead he said, you intended it to harm me, but God meant it for good. Joseph even wept when his brothers thought he would do evil toward them after their father died. No matter what Joseph experienced, he looked beyond himself and he trusted God to work out those things that he was experiencing in his life. Yes, to the core of his being, Joseph had forgiven his brothers. And I can sit out here and look at your faces and I can look at my own face in the mirror. And it's not always easy, is it? to forgive those who have done us wrong. You know, even the disciples went to Jesus and they asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? But Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And when Peter asked that question, there was a little bit of pride. He thought he was being pretty generous by saying seven, since the rabbis only required the students to forgive three times. But Jesus' response shows forgiveness is an unlimited amount of times when one is repentant. And when we truly understand, truly understand what we've received from the Lord, forgiveness toward others starts to become more natural. Ephesians 4.32 tells us, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And 1 John 1.9 tells us that if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes, Joseph's life portrays the grace of our amazing God as he sent his son to rescue us. At times, we come to our Lord just as Joseph's brothers <clears throat> came to Joseph, feeling distance and fearing the worst from God only to have him demonstrate incredible mercy and love. 
Instead of blame, there is forgiveness. Instead of punishment that we deserve, we are seated in the heavenlies with Christ. And this amazing Christ that we know went to the cross bearing my sins and your sins, demonstrating that he who knew no sin became sin so that you and me might become the righteousness of God. You know, the book of Isaiah tells us that the Lord longs, he longs to be gracious to you. And he waits on high to have compassion on you. Yes, you. For the Lord is a God of justice, and how blessed are those who long for him. So I have a question for you this morning. Do you long for him? He longs to be gracious to you. Do you hear him calling to you, even in the midst of your pit or prison that you're in? Today, he is calling you to his table. He's waiting for you to enjoy the feast that he has prepared with you and mine. He wants you to have a seat at his table. Do you know what he's serving? He's serving grace. Grace only, only given, not gotten or earned or deserved, only received. So will you come today with your hands open, giving to him your pits and your prisons, holding out your hands, And saying to him, here I am, Lord. Here I am. I am ready. I am ready to receive. Will you come? Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed listening to this message and you would like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give at RedeemerMN.org slash give. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss a single message.